Welcome to Two Gins In, the podcast for renovators who want to stay in control and not want to screw up on their investment. We're all about keeping your dream alive through careful planning and taking the right action towards the success of your renovation or new build project. We're both qualified interior and building designers that take our craft seriously, but more importantly, not ourselves. Hi, I'm Helen. And I'm Karen, and we're excited to have you join us this Friday afternoon for our Renovators Delight, where we take you behind the scenes of the design and construction world. We'll be chatting with industry experts, sharing your, our own knowledge and experience. We'll set you up with valuable tools and handy tips to relieve your anxiety, reduce the overwhelm, and ultimately help you to make informed decisions throughout the renovation journey. So why two gins in, Karen? Well, Helen, why not? After all, it is Friday afternoon. And what better way to end the work week than with a couple of gins or cocktails to celebrate the week ahead and head into another weekend. Hi there. In this week's guest expert interview, Helen and I had the pleasure of sitting down with Mark Monk. Mark is the Managing Director of Helm. Helm are a multi-award winning developer and builder who specialise in the development and construction of high-end medium density apartments. Mark has over 37 years experience in all aspects of property development and construction, where he has been responsible for many notable high-end apartment developments, master-planned estates and commercial developments. In 2022, Mark was elected as a Director Councillor of the Urban Development Institute of Australia. For the past three years, Mark has represented the UDIA as a panel member on one of the Building Commissioner's pillar working groups. Mark and Helm's team have worked closely with the Building Commissioner's Office, providing assistance in the implementation of the DBMP Act, the Design and Building Practitioners Act, and the RAB Act. This is the Residential Apartment Building Act. In addition, Helm was the first company in Australia to agree to be ICERT rated as part of Equifax's pilot program. Mark worked with Equifax, OBC and UDIA New South Wales to refine the rating system. I've known Mark for quite some time now. In fact, we went to primary school and high school together. In this episode, Mark shared his insights on the Design and Building Practitioners Act, which will bring about a positive change to the construction industry going forward here in Australia. We delved into the new legislation its meaning for homeowners and builders alike, and what key changes consumers need to be aware of. Mark's wealth of knowledge and experience in the construction industry also allowed us to discuss valuable tools and tips for consumers who may be considering buying a new property off the plan. As we learned more about Helm Properties, Mark shared how his company differentiates itself from others in the industry with a focus on customer service, quality and innovation. Join us now as we dive into the latest industry insights with Mark, where we explore the impacts of the Design and Building Practitioners Act and Helm Properties' unique approach to construction. Welcome, everybody, to uh, another edition of our podcast, Two Gins In. This afternoon, we have a guest expert with us, Mark Monk, the Managing Director of Helm Properties. So, Mark, here's cheers to another Friday. I've got a... <laughs> Gin. Sorry, sorry, it's not gin, and it is it's disappearing into the background. But uh, cheese. That's all good. What are you drinking this afternoon? I have an asahi this afternoon. Oh, nice. that's the only beer that I can drink. I do not like beer, but I can drink that. I drank it in New York, and quite like it. 
<laughs> I digress, I digress. So tell us a bit about yourself, Mark, uh, where you've landed, how you became um, the Managing Director of Helm Properties and tell us a little bit about the business. Um, look, I joined the industry over 37 years ago, which makes me sound quite old, but um, <laughs> I've... Uh, I started in high-rise construction on apartment buildings and hotels and uh, commercial buildings for one of the largest builders in Australia. Um, and then about 23 years ago, I moved across into the development side and specifically focused on medium density development. And that's what I've done for 23 years. So we've all, I've always kept my hand in construction because every because every development we've done, we have built. Um, and that is a cornerstone of our business. So 13 years ago, we started Helm um, with the sole focus of creating um, high-end apartments for owner-occupiers who were downsizing. And, um, and I'm proud to say that we've sold every apartment we've ever built um, and developed, and 97.5% uh, of those have been to our demographics of that owner-occupier downsizers. So... I think that's been a, a you know a, a successful plan for us. Um, I joined uh, well our our company is really passionate about our industry, so we belong to a number of organisations which represent our industry. So the um, Urban Task Force, Master Builders Association, and the Housing Industry Association. And last year, I was actually um, elected as a director or councillor of the Urban Development Institute of Australia. So that's an organisation I've belonged to for 25 years and an organisation our company's belonged to for 13. So um, three years ago, through the UDIA, I was asked to sit on a number of panels and working groups um, with the building commissioner. Um, we were, he was trying to change the industry and, uh, and, and as I said, we're passionate about seeing that change because we're um, we genuinely believe that our industry is a great industry. It's just being uh, degraded by uh, probably about 20% of the players in the industry. Very true. Long Very true. Too, isn't it? Yes. So that brings us to our topic today, which is we're going to have a chat about the Design and Building Practitioners Act, which was passed in June 2020. So the coming about of the Act actually landed Helen and I back studying last year. So as qualified <laughs> interior designers, we can no longer work on Class 2 buildings. So for our listeners, a Class 2 building is apartments and multi-residential. So even though we're qualified design and drafters, we had to go back, study full-time to get our building designer um, diploma. So now we can work on those buildings. So let's jump into that and, Mark, tell us, what does you know this new legislation act mean for homeowners and builders alike? Yeah, I will. But probably it's worthwhile just taking a step back and, and looking at why um, the building commissioner was appointed by the state government in 2019 oh. and why this legislation has been introduced. And fundamentally, in 2019, the industry was in, yes. um, in decay, to be perfectly honest. It was being hammered in the media every day, not just in New South Wales, but around Australia. Um, Opal Towers, Mascot Towers, yeah. lots of stories of builders doing the wrong thing, developers doing the wrong thing, not supporting their product, um, not fixing defects at the end of the day. 
and at the same time away with it too <laughs> yeah so yeah to, yeah. A, to a large degree um yeah. and the owners corporate and one of the, one of the other organizations we belong to is the owners corporation network and, and there that's a group of people who help strata corporations fight um, bad builders and developers so it's a you know they were getting away with it and the owners corporation network was established to to you know stop that from happening um so I think, look, really, what at the same time as those headlines were hitting the papers every day for what seemed like two years, yeah. um, the insurers were deserting our industry. So um, it was premiums were doubling um, for some professions. Private certifiers couldn't get insurance, and uh, and structural engineers' insurance was actually tripling. So it was a nightmare. Um, the building commissioner was appointed to clean up our industry and essentially what these acts do um, is place the onus on developers and builders to do what they say they were going to do to construct a project in accordance with the national construction code and to and the Australian standards and to stand by their product at the end of the day um, through better regulation um, and that's what's taking place now. Yeah. So what were the key changes? Um, what should people be aware of that what this Act has brought about? Oh, the, acts are the Acts are profound. I mean, so there's two Acts. There's the Residential Apartment Building Act and the Design and Building Practitioners Act. Um, those Acts work hand in hand. And uh, essentially, well, at the moment, it applies to, as you said before, Class 2 buildings. So that's any building with a residential component, mm -hmm. um, apartment buildings. And, or a mixed-use building with a residential component. So if you have a, um, a, an apartment building above a shopping centre or, or something like that. Mm -hmm. So it, that is changing. Legislation's coming in, I think, on the 1st of July for Class 3 and 9C buildings, which are backpackers, hostels and aged care. Mm -hmm. And um, we're told that it won't be long before houses are actually incorporated into the acts as well. So that will um, be very, very interesting, don't you think, when it hits the residential? Yeah, I do, um, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure how that will be administered because there's some real issues in that part of the industry, uh, as there is in, in ours. So the the powers that the commissioner have and his office have are, are quite unbelievable. I mean. They have more powers than the police, so they can walk into any building site anywhere in New South Wales at any time, unannounced, without a search warrant, without any legal documentation whatsoever. Um, and the commissioner's team can actually order destructive testing within a building. So, you know, rip out ceilings so they can see services, rip out tiles so they can see that membranes have been installed properly, and that's been happening. Um, I think the commissioner was up to over 1,200 bathrooms that he'd ordered to be replaced. Wow, wow. Oh, I didn't know this was taking place, but this is brilliant because really that's yeah. where everything breaks down is under the skin of the building that, yeah. you know, the homeowner does, does not see and you just trust that the builder's done the right thing. So that's, yeah, that's a great thing that's happening. Yeah, for too long, you know, builders have, have you know, some, a small component of our industry have done the wrong thing yeah. and then the rest of us have been tarred with that brush. Yeah, so. You know, I'm wholly supportive of the powers that they have. He can rip down walls. He can, he can remove anything he wants, and he's doing that. Um, you know, there's one building in Parramatta um, where the the developer's gone bankrupt, where 400 bathrooms and en suites were replaced. I read about that. 
That's that's yeah. shocking though. Four hundred bathrooms. That's it, dreadful. It just goes to show just how much we need this. I mean, it's it, we're really out there, I guess, protecting the the homeowner, the renovator, and whoever's building yeah. a new home because it's kind of like a mechanic. You know, if yes. you're, yeah. dare I say, a woman <laughs> goes to a mechanic with something wrong with her car, like she trusts that they're going to do the right thing by her, but because she doesn't understand it fully, or he, some men in some cases, yeah, exactly. Um, it's so easily easy yes. to be ripped off or or led because straight. You know, it's on a surface value, a space can look amazing, but yeah. it's not going to last. You can have the you know the high end finishes, the, all the detail there, but if behind those walls and there's no waterproofing, mm-hmm. it's all going to fall apart. Yeah, eventually. We definitely need something to protect. Well, and the saddest part of that is that it generally will hold. They'll have done something and it'll hold for a little while. But um, that's generally enough time for the apartments to settle and then it become the owner's corporation's problem because the developer or the builder's run. Um, And that's where where our industry really comes down. You know, we all get tarred with that same brush of those people that are doing the wrong thing. So, um, you know, in that, if we just stick with that building for a second, so the the commissioner on that building has has forced the developer to rectify the building back to a standard um, and uh, and would not allow people. So the, the, perhaps the greatest power that the, owners, or the, the building commissioner have is that he will not issue an occupation certificate unless he's satisfied the building is completed to, in accordance with the, the National Construction Code and the Australian Standards. Yeah. And you know, a reasonable attempt at rectifying defects has been made and there's no serious defects in the building. Mm-hmm. And that's just such a powerful tool because when a project is at the end of, of just about to be handed over to purchasers, it's at peak debt. So interest charges are enormous. Mm-hmm. The importance of getting settlements coming through, people buying those apartments so that they, the developer can reduce that debt is, is huge. Yes. And the impact is, is just... <laughs> of not being able to settle has an enormous impact. In that instance, on that project, that developer went bankrupt um, because he couldn't settle. Um, you know, some would argue he shouldn't have been in the industry in the first yeah, place. But, yeah, to say that he did it to himself and he shouldn't have been there. In the first absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably one of those cases, like I'm exaggerating, where he just wasn't capable of, you know, building something of that size, maybe. Yeah. And, and that's absolutely right. He came from small, medium density townhouses, and, and all of a sudden was building a, a tower in the middle of Parramatta, and without the capability, without the staff, and without the, the knowledge or care factor as well. It, it wasn't about delivering a quality product, from what I've heard and seen. Mm-hmm. And certainly, you know, from the stories that I've heard, I think those statements can be can be said unequivocally. Yeah. Uh, so what impact as a builder based, uh, and has it had on the construction industry itself, this act, as from uh, the building side of things? Look, it certainly lifted the standard of building. Um, the building commissioner, if you follow his, uh, his, his LinkedIn page, he, he's naming and shaming many builders and developers for some really poor workmanship. Mm-hmm. Um, that is certainly you know, scare the industry into action, which has been great. Yeah. The the other part of the Act, and we should just touch on that, is, is under the Design and Building Practitioners Act, as you've just talked about in your experience, um, every designer 
uh, or builder that wants to work on Class 2 buildings 3 and 9C soon uh, must register and must become a design or a building practitioner. Um, what that means is that, that you have to register on a portal and every time that you lodge a drawing or a document to do with your project onto that portal, um, and you must do that as soon as you're aware, or you must do that in the first instance for your DA and then it, the path follows through to full construction documentation. Mm -hmm. um, what happens is that, that that creates a path that each time you lodge a design, you must certify that design and that follows you through your career. It's same for me when you know we, we lodge designs, I must certify that we will build those the building in accordance with those designs. So if things go wrong in the future, the Office of the Building Commissioner has instant access to drawings and documents and that certification and can pinpoint exactly who was at fault very quickly. Yeah. Um, so it really is placing the onus, I and mean, some would say that that should have been there from the start, but it's placing the onus back on developers and builders to do the right thing, knowing that they're going to be tracked for the for, for their rest of their careers. Yeah. So, the, so you just said there's no time span with that, you know, like the builder's warranty, it's seven years. This is life. This act means lifetime. Once you submit something, build something, you're wedded to it forever. Absolutely. He'll just, okay. well, sorry, no, not in terms of the building. The building's 10 years for serious defects, okay. but in terms of tracking your your issues into the future or into the past, that is forever. Okay. So if something goes wrong in a building in 11 years' time, or, you know, 11 years' time from now, they can still see who's, who's made mistakes, what those errors were. Um, the other impacts that have been, that have, you know, in terms of, I mean, this is New South Wales legislation, but it's affected, you know, it will affect um, most states in Australia, if not all. Victoria and Queensland have very similar issues to our industry. They just they just haven't had a, a catastrophic failure like Opal or Mascot Towers. So they're not they're not being um, you know I guess hammered in the media like New South Wales was, but. Those states are very interested in New South Wales legislation. They've been talking to the Building Commissioner's Office and legislation will change in those states in the not-too-distant future, I would imagine. If if they don't, um, then, you know, you'd be very wary of buying apartments off, off some developers yes, in those states. Yeah. So you had a role in that, didn't you? You were consulted, weren't you? Yeah, so we, so as part of... I sat on a working group with a number of industry organisations um, on behalf of the UDIA. Um, there was actually 20 industry associations. So the, I've, I've been involved in a number of government uh, working groups in the past, nothing like this. You know, the, the commissioner's consultation um, and desire to make sure that he had buy-in from all parts of the industry or almost all parts of the industry was, was second to none. Um, so I, for three years, sat on a number of panels and working groups and through that process, the commissioner got to know our projects and, and actually brought his team out on a number of occasions to our projects so that we could walk them through and show them how we were documenting what we were designing and and why we were building a certain way and and that formed the cornerstone of some of that legislation surprise star student really your company <laughs> well that's what we need don't we Absolutely. we need, we need a, a good company that's doing it well and doing it properly and legally and in the best interest of their clientele to to set those standards i mean there's no excuse Agreed. for less than than 
what's high standards and and what should be done. I mean, it's just because people's lives and livelihood and that we're dealing with. But the whole thing about being a designer, a builder, a developer is you want to stay in business. Otherwise, you know, go do something else. If you're going to do something shoddy and just keep moving on, moving on, then you shouldn't be there in the first place. It's your reputation. You don't, who wants to be in that you know, on the hit list by the commissioner. No, thank you. <laughs> and I, and I think that applies to probably 80% of our industry, whether it be does the design portion of our industry or the construction or the development side. But it, it's just, it's that 20% that crucifies, you know, yeah. as a group, which is, which is really sad. So that's what this legislation does. Yeah, oh, well, that's good. So being the manager and managing director of Helm, you've got a lot of experience behind you and knowledge about all the new um, legislations and things that are going in, put in, being put into place. Many of our listeners are probably looking at perhaps buying off plan. What advice have you got for somebody that is thinking about buying off plan that's perhaps a little nervous in light of everything that's happened so far? Are there any, um, have you got any advice or tips or things that they should do in order to prepare and make sure that, that what they're purchasing is legit and is, is a safe property to purchase, I guess? Yeah. It's interesting. There was some research that came out last year that, uh, that found that apart, people looking to buy an apartment off the plane actually do more research into their car in buying a car than buying an apartment. Oh, okay. um, in fairness, that's predominantly because it's really hard to actually investigate developers or village traffic. Right. You're right. Um, so part of the commissioner's mandate in 2019, he recognised that issue and he also recognised that the good players in the industry weren't being um, rewarded. Uh, for their efforts and they were being sort of lumped into that collective pool of, of bad. Um, so he worked with a company called Equifax. Equifax were uh, an organisation that essentially they're a ratings and credit assessment agency um, in 48 countries around the world. Now, he, he worked with Equifax um, and his team to basically establish a ratings tool um, for our industry. So that's for developers, builders, designers and consultants at the moment and it is intended to extend to the subcontractors into the future. Um, and I sat on part of, the, part of a working group for that. It's a fantastic tool. It was released 15 months ago. Um, our company was the first company to have, be ICERT rated or apply to be ICERT rated, rated in Australia. Um, and how it works is essentially... It rates companies between we'll give one and five stars. The higher the star rating, the more trustworthy the company. Um, if you get less or three stars or more, then you consider trustworthy. Um, three star or anything less than three stars, um, you don't get a rating really. Um, you yeah. need to go back and look at your business plan. Get back to school. <laughs> yeah, back to school. Very much so. So it's a it, look. It's a wonderful tool because. It does a lot of the work, it does most of the work for prospective purchases. Um, for our experience, we put 300 hours of work into the assessment process. It's it's enormous. Um, they go through every aspect of our business. So that's, that's all of our financials, our structure, our um, 
our director and key personnel history. You know, do we have good personal credit ratings? Do we have um, oh, any actions, any court actions against us personally, professionally? Do we pay our subcontractors on time, remembering they're a credit assessment agency so they actually can see credit history? Mm -hmm. um, they look at, they, they went into our back, basically our directors and key personnel history for 20 years. Wow. Um, so it's fun. it's profound, and you know, and then they go through everything to do with our business, so procedures, systems, quality assurance, um, processes, awards we've won, actions that if any actions are being taken against us. So they went through all of that. Mm -hmm. I'm pleased to say we came out of that with the highest rating at that time. Well, uh, last year um, we, we achieved four and a half out of five stars. Now, we so there's only seven or eight companies that have received a four and a half star rating, and there's only one company that's received five, and that was moved back a couple of months ago. Okay. Um, we really can't achieve five star because we're a small business and we only specialize in residential apartment developments. Um, and we don't develop interstate, whereas Mervac do all yes, those things. Yes. They're across commercial, industrial, residential. So, as a as a you know, I think for our from our perspective, we've achieved the highest rating we can under the rating system at the moment, um, and we're really proud of that. As you should. Yeah, but, yeah, thank you. But there's look, there's 220 companies that have either been rated now or in the process of being rated. And interestingly, we talk about you know the the 20 of our industry that does the damage. 22 and a half percent of businesses haven't received the rating, which is uh, that's just okay. more sort of anecdotal information that confirms that that bottom 20 percent are hurting us the most. Yeah. Um, for us, but, you know, so I guess the best advice I can give to your listeners is if you can buy from an ISO accredited developer and builder. Yeah. And um, can you Google that online, like for our listeners, if there's, is there a, a Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah and, absolutely. Okay. And there is a list um, that you can access that tells you what companies actually have a rating. Um, so <laughs> it's a really useful tool. It's only been around for 15 months, so it, it's not incredibly mainstream at the moment but it's certain, certainly getting there and with new projects being released all the time agents are aware of ICERT ratings for accredited companies and they're really you know doing the selling of that product in the marketplace for the you know for Equifax to be honest but it's a great tool yeah. Equifax have done the work um, you can rely on the ratings and uh, and it just says that the company you're dealing with is trustworthy and has got the, the capital to support the project into the future. That's the two most important things, isn't it? Mm, yeah. You need both the capital and the and the trustworthiness and the honesty because really, I mean, you could be really good at what you do and you could be really organised, but if financially you're not viable to construct a multi-res, then things can go wrong on that side of it as well. So we'll grab the link to that and put it in add the show it to the show notes so sure. that the listeners have you know, got somewhere to go to. So that's really helpful. Yeah. Yeah, well, you've done so well, <laughs> which is great. It's it's comforting to know that somebody like yourself is on this board and, and helping to formulate all the, um, I guess, criteria for such a thing. Well, I, think, I, think, you know. I think it's really important that, you know, if you're passionate about something, and, and our team are, we, we want to see 
good things happen in our oh. industry. Yeah. It, uh, it's, you know, incredibly damaging for, you know, for the whole industry to see the headlines yes. that we've seen over the last few years. So if you don't take a stand and if you don't actually contribute, then things don't change. So that's, exactly that's, that's right. certainly the attitude yeah. we've taken. As they say, if nothing changes, nothing changes. So Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So our last question for the day is, how does Helm Properties differentiate itself out there in the marketplace? Because... You know, there's obviously other developers, property, that do exactly what you do. I mean, there's a beautiful new one of your projects that's sitting there behind you if you're watching on YouTube. So how do you differentiate yourself from the rest of the market? For, for us, it, it's very much about... Um, it's very much about our product. I think whether you're doing a renovation, um, building a home, building an apartment building or, or you know, creating a company... You've got to understand your market. What's your end market? Who are you catering for? Um, even if you're building a house for yourself, at the end of the day, you have to sell it. You know, you need to focus on who the buyer is. And for us, as I said, we specifically know our market. Our, our company was created to develop high-end product for owner-occupiers who are downsizing, and and that shapes every decision that we make. So we are the developer. So we buy the land. We get the approvals, we do the marketing and sales, but we also construct our own product and um, we have our own design management construction teams to to manage that entire process. So what makes us different is we control every aspect of what right. we do, the yeah. entire process. Brilliant. We go and find the sites or work with local agents to find sites. We buy that land, we get the approvals, we engage the consultants, get the approvals, go into the market, build it, deliver it, and then stand by it at the end of the day. So, yeah. you know, we're, we're on a project at the moment where we haven't had any issues for years and they've got a leak nine and a half years down the track and we're back wow. trying to identify where or we will identify where that issue is and we'll fix it. So, you know, they're the things that make a difference and that's why I think we've got 68 testimonials from purchasers on our on our website that, that talk lot. about yeah. our service and, and yeah. our quality and... You know, that's it's the, that fact that we actually continue to deliver product that people are proud to live in and and want to live in forever. And and I think the the things that confirm that we've we've been true to that vision from the start is that we don't have a lot of repeat buyers because our buyers generally buy their apartment and they buy because they don't want to ever move from it. They call many, many of them call it their forever home. Forever. They don't yes. want to remove, move to a retirement village. But 70% of our purchases for our last four projects have come from referral from previous purchases. So wow. they're friends. So, yeah, and that's really powerful because, it, it one, it gives us a, a ready-made database, but, two, it means that those purchasers are so happy with their product that they're prepared to recommend their friends um, to buy our product. So I think that, that at the end of the day, is what drives us. It, it, it's that customer satisfaction and making sure that people are comfortable where they live, they love where they live, and they feel as though they've got value for money and uh, and and the quality that we've promised, uh, and that's certainly the feedback that we get. So, um, yeah, that so th feedback is is the perfect feedback, and um, you know to have that um, commendation, I guess, and recommendation by your clients, it's it's really the best form of measure, I guess, to see whether or not you're doing the right thing essentially. Yeah.
Do you yeah, very much so. And and look, looking at our buildings and the things we you know, we we because we we manage the entire process, we have um, we we and we come from a building background. You know, we we design our buildings in a way that they age gracefully. There, we focus on recurrent costs, the materials that we use, the longevity of those materials, tried and tested detailing. It's all of those things that make a difference to a building. We we said when we started the building the building company or development company that we wanted to drive past our project in ten years time and be proud. Yeah. And we have two projects that have passed ten years now, and yeah, we're very proud of those projects. So for us, it, it really is a matter of pride in the way we deliver our product, making sure that people are feeling as though they're getting value for money and uh, and are happy where they live. Having that control too, and. Um, over the whole process, it holds you accountable at the end of the day. There's no no room for a passing blame, um, which we see a lot in the um, building industry. If something goes wrong, well, that's not my fault. That's because of you've done this wrong or that wrong. No one seems to want to take responsibility and be accountable for their work or their projects or whatever they're, they're doing in life. So... Having that control helps you as a business, I guess, keep you know everything in line to the standard that you want, but also holds you accountable. But it allows you to be proud of your work, and and that drive in itself is is brilliant. You enjoy your work. You you put all the hard work into creating something that you should be very proud of, it, and it works both ways for your clients and yourself as well. Yeah. yeah, and looking for our team, you know, at the end of the day, it's we do simple things. You know, like six weeks after we finish a project, um, we bring all of our owners together, all of our purchasers together, um, and we call it a get to know your neighbour night. And they all come and they all meet each other because we believe it's not enough to create a great building. You know, you've got to create a community within that yeah. building, and that's the start of that. But we also bring our whole team to that introduction night. Um, and there's and that's because we want them to see well two things we want them to know that they're going to be accountable to these people at the end of the day. So if they haven't delivered something that's acceptable six weeks after these people have moved in, they know that they've got problems. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they know the accountability is there. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, it gets to see how happy those people are. And there's not a time where we, we've done that for every project we've developed, and there's not a time where we haven't been given a standing ovation so you know the right. team hasn't been given a standing ovation so it's that reward i mean our industry is a hard industry you, you guys are in it you know what it's like it's tough um but it that reward at the end of the day for you know for doing the right thing doing it see your creation to see people living and interacting in it it's just yeah that's brilliant yeah. That's and, just... and loving it yeah that's yeah. that's the that's the great thing yeah we need people's lives for the better we need more people like yourselves, more companies like yourselves that actually do have a, an interest and a care in the end result and, and how the clients are dealing with it because we see a lot of um, poor design out there that just, you know, and a lot of people that don't actually listen to their clients and their clients' needs and what they want and clearly you've nailed it with the demographic that you're, you're designing for and creating for. Um, because every client is different, as you know, and they all have different needs and different wants. And, and to have something that that meets their needs is 
just because as we it. say when we do our designs in the end we walk away we're yeah, designing yeah. for you but it's not our home or our office <laughs> space or our restaurant you've got to be happy in it and clearly you do that with your clients which yeah. is great yeah but look at and, and from a design perspective a lot, a lot of people don't think this a lot of designers don't think the way you guys do you know that's a it is their home at the yeah. end of the day but yeah. you know often form uh, form doesn't follow function and uh, <laughs> no that's we're yeah. all about the function the function that we can make it look amazing but if it doesn't function well it's pointless that's right yeah. yeah very true yeah. Well, thank you for joining us this afternoon mark yes. with so much valuable information out there uh, that you've shared with us brilliant um so as helen said we'll have notes links in the show notes to a few things that we spoke about so here's cheers to the weekend. Yes. Cheers to the weekend. Yeah. Thanks again for joining us. <laughs> Thank you, Jen. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. You too, Mark. Thanks for joining us on the Two Gins in Design podcast. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode and insights on the world of design and construction. We look forward to our next episode with more design inspiration, tips from the experts, and a behind-the-scenes look at our latest projects. If you want more design information or simply want to check out our portfolio of projects, visit our website at mcraeandlynch.com.au and our Instagram, McRae and Lynch Designs. And feel free to reach out to us on our social media channels if you have any comments, questions or even topics you'd like us to discuss. And please, don't forget to leave us a rating and review. Thanks again for listening and if you've enjoyed this episode, we'd love you to share it with your friends and family. We look forward to catching up with you on our next episode. Have a great weekend. Cheers. Cheers.